Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hello, and thank you for listening to the CC Podcast. I'm Matt Reister, and I've got Andrew Nordstrom, our Technical Director, in here with us today. And we're going to hear an interview today with Pastor Jeff Schwartzentraub. Now, he was one of the preachers at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference in 2021, and I was able to do a few other interviews with other speakers. One of them was a guy named Dave Glander, and Dave was uh, formerly an atheist who did our high school and junior high ministry. Great guy. You can hear that interview later. Andrew, you had an interesting insight on the kind of contrast between Schwartz and Traub and Glander. Yeah, well, and we did the two, uh, we had the two interviews pretty close together, and so to me this made... Uh, the the combination of these two made such a, an interesting sort of bookends um, because Dave Glander came from um, a position that sort of from a religious or secular standpoint we we'd identify as really low right he he was um, cocaine at the age of six and and a meth addict and you know hundred pounds underweight because he was he was doing so bad with with uh, a drug addiction and and yeah, stark atheism, swearing at God, challenging him that he doesn't exist and all of that, um, you know, and, and how God brought him up from that. Uh, and then to hear to hear Pastor Schwarzentraub and, and his was was sort of the opposite. He came from his background um, and sort of uh, pre uh, pre relationship with Christ. Um, was sort of a high, you know, he was star athlete, won two state championships as a quarterback, um, scored a touchdown for the University of Illinois in a Big Ten football game. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was as a backup at the end of the season and all that stuff. But still, like, how many people can do that? Um, you know, came from a, uh, had the opportunity to be really successful in business and, and was already... Came from a Christian home. He had a Christian background. Yeah, and, and, and then when he was, you know, like, working that he, that he, he was in a position where he could have, you know, by his account, become a millionaire um, in, in, in finance and, and sort of gave all that up or, or was, you know, was, was led by God to, um, to move into ministry uh, and sort of give up sort of the spotlight and the fame and, and the money that came with, with some of those other things. Um, so it's just interesting to kind of compare Schwartz and Traub and Glander and, and how, you know, doesn't matter if you're in a place where where you are successful by secular standards or in the gutter by secular standards god will pull you into what he wants you to do uh, if you're willing to let him do it from from anywhere yeah that's good stuff and everyone should be able to put themselves on a spectrum between those two poles you know kind of everything's going great or everything's going terrible and uh and God wants to use us and have us follow him no matter what our background is. So that's good. Schwartz and Traub, the reason I invited him, I might have mentioned this in the interview, is because he has a command of Scripture 
Obviously, he's committed to the gospel. Obviously, those are prerequisites for anybody to come preach at the Bible conference. But this guy's got guts. If you listen to him preach, uh, he's going to step on your toes probably. Uh, yeah. But he's going to say some things that we need to hear that aren't popular to hear. And it was interesting to hear him talk in the interview about how back when he was younger, before he was a Christian, and even in the early years of his Christian life, in many ways it was about him becoming known or making a name for himself. And at some point that all faded away. He That's not an issue anymore. So right. he's just out trying to say whatever he needs to and use the time that he has to honor the Lord. And he does it in such a relatable way. Yeah. I mean, that interview was real easy to listen to, wasn't it? Very. Yep. Very. And, and it's, it's, a, it's so encouraging to hear. Um, not that every, I know that there are thousands and, and, and more uh, great pastors out there um, who, who you know, preach God's word and, and, and have varying levels of, of um, success, for lack of a better term, that, that, you know, their church grows or doesn't grow at, at, at God's will, and, and that's how it is. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Schwarzkopf was, was really frank about that, and, and I, I really appreciated that, that he said, Look, my preaching style does not vary based on on the congregation size, you know. And I think he said that there was a time when the congregation was actually shrinking and got pretty mm-hmm. pretty small at the beginning um, because of and he and he said might have been because of my style and and the way that I was, you know, kind of giving an unfiltered uh, view of the of the gospel. Um, but but he said that that it's not going to change based on on it's not a popularity contest, it's not a PR. Um, he said, I'm preaching from the word and that's, that's how it is. Um, and, and the other interesting thing that, that I really liked about it, uh, he said that, uh, he made the point that he could, um, he, he said, you should be able to open the Bible to any passage and, and, and learn something from it and, and do a, a sermon from it. So it reminded me of daily dose, right? Yes. That, that as we're going through, uh, every day we, we get something that comes out of scripture uh, even if it's the book of numbers where God's telling you that a tabernacle 4,000 years ago was so many cubits tall. Right. You know what? We should be able to learn something from that. Yeah. Uh, Schwarzenegger had to get out of town on Thursday after he was done preaching because he was going to go back home. And then he was invited, he and his wife, to be guests of Peyton Manning to his induction to the Hall of Fame. Oh. And so I haven't talked to him yet about how that went. But it's interesting. You know, he had this Big Ten college football career. And, again, he was backup quarterback and only scored one touchdown. But still, like you said, that's not everyone gets to do that. One more than I've got, yeah. And so he was obviously a standout in high school. And now he's leading this big church, and he's connected to guys like Peyton Manning. And I've had to kind of pry that out of him. It's not something that he wears on his sleeve. Right. yeah. And – um I think that's, in a sense, kind of cool because he, he's not sending any message that this is somehow, you know, meaningful in any significant way compared to yeah. preaching the word, leading God's people, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that was that was really, yeah, I agree. Um, he, his, the level of humility, um, you could just tell. You and just, just laser focus on telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything pales in comparison to laying it out there exactly exactly and i thought it was interesting just as a side note 
he has got this connection to the Broncos. Uh, Crawford Loretz, who, who we did uh, the interview with earlier this week, um, got the connection to the Falcons. Um, seems like we're, we're collecting NFL chaplains or something like that yeah, at, at the Bible if, conference. If there are any other NFL chaplains out there that yeah. want to talk, we'll, we'll put you on the podcast. You have to be a Yankees fan, but you can support any NFL team you want. <laughs> Andrew says that as a Yankees hater, but that's that's just the way it's gone. Dave Glander, Crawford Loritz, and myself. So we need some diversity in, in, our, <laughs> in our ranks. Yeah. Hey, enjoy this interview with Jeff Schwartz and Traub, and thank you so much for tuning in. This is Matt Reister with the CC Podcast. We're at the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. You can hear the music in the background. They're having a hymn sing right now, and I've got Pastor Jeff Schwartz and Traub by way of Peoria from Inglewood, Colorado, Brave Church. Jeff, thanks for being with us. It's a pleasure, man. It's been an awesome day. Really enjoyed it. So I was connected to you in a random way that I've told you three or four times. A buddy of mine from college, Pete Eklund, that goes to your church, started sending me links of your messages during coronavirus when everyone was watching stuff at home. And uh, I'm pretty skeptical about preachers telling the truth in a hard way. And so I kind of took that with a grain of salt, like, okay, we'll see what this guy has to say. I get links for preachers all the time, and I, I, I don't even watch them, usually, because it's like, whatever. And that sounds really cynical, I guess, and I'm probably guilty of that. But uh, I remember after watching one or two of your messages, the first one was like, any preacher can do something good one time. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to keep following this guy, and uh, just love the way that you've communicated the word here. And uh, with the boldness with which I've heard you do it to your congregation at home. Um, before we come back to ministry stuff, you started in Peoria, Illinois. Let's tell your story a little bit. Like you grew up the son of faithful parents, right? Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up the son. My mom, my mom was a nurse educator and my dad's a veterinarian. You know, I went to church. We were, I would say I grew up in a very moral home. We, we did the church thing. We went to church. I don't know if any of us were actually saved. Yeah. I got saved through Young Life when I was 18 after high school, and I was furious with church because I'm like, they never told me this. Wow. I was confronted with the gospel, and here I was a kid that was telling the Young Life leader, if I'm not going to heaven, nobody's going to heaven because I'm better than most people. I mean, right. I, I was filled with pride, didn't know it. Sunday school attendance, yes. knowledge of the Bible. All that kind of stuff. And so I, I truly got saved. And then, you know, I just didn't know how to walk it out. I, I didn't get discipled right away. So it took me a few years to begin to get discipled. And once I did, I, I just had a fire for the Lord. And then I, I was sharing the gospel with my parents. I was sharing the gospel with my siblings. Uh, my sister got saved. Um, my brother, who's 17 years younger, is now our worship pastor. My parents eventually got saved. So now it's totally different in my family. But, uh, you know, so I grew up in, you know, going to church, it's good that you have good pastors, I guess. You know, but it wasn't like a career choice. Like, why would you ever right. want to be one of those guys? Right. You know, right. so, I mean, I it just... wasn't on my, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind. that I didn't go to the University of Illinois to eventually become a pastor. I, I had no clue that that's actually what God had for my life. And um, the reason I enjoy doing camps like this and, you know, conferences and the things that I get to do is because I think there's so many people out there that God wants to use in a special way that just don't think that oh, God could use me or just have gone through the motions long enough to not realize how life-giving Christ is. Yeah. And so I get excited when I get the opportunity to, to present the Word. We've got a great partnership, Christian Crusaders, with the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. And Cedar Falls Bible Conference will have uh, Jeff's messages archived on their 
YouTube page. And so uh, you can go find Jeff's message this morning. God wants to use you. That was your first point. And the second one was God. Uh, what was the second? You need to trust him. <laughs> you need to trust God. Another great message. So um, what's interesting to me and tonight's going to be don't quit. I mean, okay. if, you're, if you're really going to step out in faith and trust the Lord and you believe that God can use you and you step out, things are going to get hard. So then what are you going to do? Yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. Don't quit. We're going to talk about what it means to persevere tonight. Amen. So um, you have to explain this to me. And I, I've got a couple theories about why this is, or maybe I'm misperceiving it, but you had quite a football career in high school. And then you came uh, to the University of Illinois, played football. You don't really wear that on your sleeve. Which sometimes, and maybe you do in other contexts, but the, the brief interactions we've had, it's like I've had to ask you about that. Is that something you're hiding or because you weren't saved at that time or no. you, you weren't no, growing? No, I think for or? me, I mean, I'm, I played sports my whole life. And so my, you know, asked me when I was four years old what I was going to do when I grew up. I told my nursery school teacher I'm going to be a professional football, basketball, and baseball player. That was, <laughs> that was my career choice. And so for me, when I, I, you know, I had the privilege of playing on uh, two state championship teams in high school. We were 14-0 uh, my senior year, won state championship. And I only weighed 155 pounds, but I wanted to play football. I thought I could play at a higher level. So I talked to Coach McVick at the University of Illinois, and he said, hey, we love walk-ons. We've already recruited guys, but I know who you are. We'd love you to come. And for me, I was like, hey, great. I, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. I'm going to go after this. And so my goal was to play for the University of Illinois and eventually play in the NFL. And, um, you know, I really thought it was going that way. And, and, Matt, when I started walking with the Lord and everything, you know, I'd work my way up. And now I'm walking with the Lord, too. So I felt like the Lord owed me. Like, hey, yeah. Lord, this is going to be a great partnership. Because when, when I win the national championship and I go on TV. I'll give I'm, you credit. I'll give you credit, God. I, yeah. thought, that, I thought we were making a good deal there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Lord had a different plan for me. So for me, uh, sports was an idol. Yeah. In my life. It wasn't just something I did for fun. It's all I ever thought about and all I ever wanted to do. So when things didn't work out with me with uh, football at the University of Illinois, I was crushed. It took me years later to figure out, well, the reason I was crushed is God was crushing an idol in my life. Yeah. It wasn't just that, oh, I'm not playing football. I'll go do something else. It was, this is all I've given my life to is athletics. And so so for me, I mean, I, I still love sports. I think, you know, I, just, I follow the Broncos. I, I, I love being around those guys and doing stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I know I'm put on the planet to preach the word and to grow people in Christ, and I'm content in that now, and yeah. um, I'm satisfied in doing that. Don't you think there are a lot of, of athletes that may be Christian or maybe Christian in name only who it kind of stops with, God, you give me a platform and I'll give you credit when you give me success. What's your antidote to that? Yeah, I think, well, I think it can be in athletics. I think it can be in business. I think it can be in anything. I think we as Americans like to... We like the part of the gospel that God's willing to save us and take us to heaven, but we don't like the part of the gospel you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And there's there's not two different gospels. Yeah. There's an all-in type of, type of gospel with Jesus, which is great news, and then there's this made-up American gospel which says, I'll take the parts that I want and still live my same sinful life, and you won't find that anywhere in the scriptures. Yep. So I believe there's guys that are Christian that play sports um, that are definitely died in the world, born-again believers, and I think there's guys that... Um, you know, our Christian in name only. And I think that's true in every yeah. venue in life. Yeah. So you came to Iowa City one day in 1993 as a backup quarterback to Jeff George. Walk me through your touchdown at Kinnick Stadium. We've got a, a lot of our audiences right here in Iowa, and so they're going to love this story. Uh, you talked about remembering the locker rooms. Yeah. Hayden Fry. Yeah. yeah Talk yeah. about that day. Yeah. So by the time I was uh, by the time I was a senior, Jeff George was already, he was already gone. He had been number one draft for the Indianapolis Colts. And 
I was playing behind some other guys. And in my senior year, I thought I would start. Didn't get to start. Was totally devastated. I'm going to tell a little bit about that story tonight. And um, But what God was doing, he was building a ministry uh, in and through me and, and wanting to do some different things. And it was so funny because it was October 16th of 1993. And remember, the reason I remember that date, it was my brother's six-year-old birthday. Okay. And he told me before I went to Iowa, he's like, hey, listen, bro. I want you to score a touchdown on my birthday. And I was like, bro, I'm not, I'm not getting in the game, but, you know, thanks. But they were allowing me to travel, and I was a leader on the team and stuff. And so, sure enough, I mean, we got up against that. We were up 42-3, to three, and they called my name. And I remember going in the huddle, and if you knew me well enough, especially at the time, I mean, I'm a pretty intense person, and I remember getting in the huddle with all these guys I knew, and I was like, guys, I don't care what happens, we're scoring. And so eight, eight plays later um, – we're, we're or seven plays later, right at the goal line, and that play, our, our Bobby Bobby Reynolds took everything over the goal line except the football, and I started yelling sneak, 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 and the coaches called quarterback sneak, and you know I took the ball over, and it was so funny because it was the Lord's gift to me. My sisters could have scored the thing, you know, and, but at the end of the day, it was I knew it was the Lord that was giving me a gift doing that, and. You know, at the end of the day, they were interviewing me and stuff, and I was really able to give a testimony of why I was still on the team was definitely because of Jesus, or I would have left. And uh, God used that platform that had been taken down to elevate him and and taught me a lot about how God works. And it was funny because I said to the press, like, well, what are you going to call Sneak? And I was like, man, I was calling Sneak no matter what. What, (laughs) What's the worst thing they're going to do, not play me again? (laughs) And so That's awesome. um, Yeah, so, I mean, it was a great experience to see life through a different lens. Um, but uh, but God used what I thought was so important in my life to crush so I could see how important he was to me. Was that your only college touchdown? Yeah, I, was, I only played 10 plays in Division One college football. So, wow. And it was right at the time the movie Rudy came out. You ever seen the movie oh, Rudy? Oh, yeah. So I went and saw the movie Rudy, and I was bawling through it because they did a little blurb in the USA Today when I scored. Like, didn't they just make a movie about this? That's awesome. And I didn't like the reflection because I was like, hey, Rudy just wanted to get on a team, and I wanted to start, and <laughs> I don't like the comparison. But at the same time, it was similar in that, you know, here I get my whole life, watch Illinois sports from the time I was a kid. I get into one game in Iowa and score a touchdown. And that's it. And um, and yet, God's used that to teach me a lot about perseverance and yeah. growing in Him. Well, and like you said, that was post-tearing down the idol. Totally. So once the idol is gone, it's like you can handle this. Yeah. And, and this is just a cool little... It was a cool gift from the it, Lord. It, it ties into what you were talking about today, which is just the idea that if you prioritize the Lord and give up all this other stuff, that's the only way to, to fulfill it. It's the only way to get satisfaction. And, you know, it's funny now. I mean... You know, I don't, I don't tell a lot of people this, but just, you know, getting to know guys that, that play for the Broncos and just getting to be around sports and getting to be around coaches. I mean, I have more fun just getting to know guys and being able to share Christ with guys than I do about, you know, playing like I think I would have. Uh, what my dreams were were not big enough, and what God's dreams are were way more about bringing Him glory. And I think yeah. sometimes... In life, we have all these plans about what we want to do to bring God glory. Yeah. And, and we can take that path, but, you know, a man plans um, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So we start going that way, and then God's like, yeah, you think you're going that way? I'm going to use that, but I'm actually taking you over. Right. Here. And that's when we got to be willing to do whatever the Lord wants. And who can't identify with that at some level? It might not be some high-profile, flashy thing, but every one of us is set out this way, Listen, ended up over here. Well, that's what I learned. I realized through that experience that, very few people can identify with, you know, Peyton Manning, who's getting inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. I mean, yeah. very few people can identify with an 18-year professional career yep. uh, that had that kind of, very few. But everybody can identify with, hey, have you ever gone after something you really wanted and got crushed? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought you deserved more and nobody recognized you? I mean, right. oh, yeah, totally. I, I, I get that story. Totally. So, um, so I believe that God uses brokenness um, 
in even our achievements so that we go his way and that he can use our testimony even greater. So after college, mm-hmm. you went straight into ministry, is that right? Not exactly. I I was so hurt at that time, and I, you know, in the hindsight, this is me looking back. You mean like emotionally or emotionally, yeah. broken down broken idols? Broken down, hurt? yeah, because I was like, okay, football didn't work. Now I'm going to show the world. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kill it now. Right. And I went, I went to work for um, uh, an insurance company because a couple of my friends had done that. They're Christians. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to make all this money. Yep. And I started doing really, really well. But the better I did, the more I hated it. I'm like, this is terrible. Wow. I remember talking to my dad on a Sunday night one time. I'm like, Dad, when you started your own practice as a veterinarian, did you like hate going to bed on Sunday night because you knew you had to get up the next day? And he's like, no, never. He goes, you're just doing the wrong thing. I'm like, Dad, you don't understand. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. I'm going to be this. He's like, yeah, you're just doing the wrong thing. And I'm like, no, Dad, you don't get it. He's like, no, you don't get it. And, and so it was one of those things, too. That all, all, the, all the idols that we think are so important, it's God's breaking them down. And I finally got to a place where I'm like, Lord, I don't care what you want to do with my life. And I remember, you know, I went to a Lutheran grade school, and they would bring in missionaries. And I remember being in kindergarten, and they would bring in these missionaries over in New Guinea. And they would talk about being on the mission field and eating iguana and doing all this. And I, it wasn't exciting to me. I mean, I, I thought that was like the lowest job on the food chain at the time. <laughs> Thinking maybe you can't achieve anything. Be a missionary, I guess, or a pastor. Yeah. And I remember I went to the church I grew up in. It was a Monday, and it was dark. And I, I remember telling the Lord, Lord, Whatever you want me to do with my life, I will do. I'm done fighting you. If you want me to go to New Guinea and be a missionary, I will get on a plane today. And I felt the presence of the Lord come over me like I never had before. And that's I really when I think he began to take over and I began to take a back seat. And, uh, you know, I'm as sinful as the next guy. But I, I've tried for the last, you know, nearly 30 years to allow God to lead my life. Now that, that doesn't look like for everybody, obviously, full-time ministry. And that's what you were saying today. Like, God wants to use you. And using you is not contingent on you being a full-time vocational minister. So one of the things that I've thought about, because I've been in ministry much of my life, and how do you convey that message effectively being a minister yourself? So you, you know what I mean? Cause, Absolutely. Cause, cause people because I think, I think if there's something that somebody gets great satisfaction from and you can com- live completely for the Lord and doing it, you're doing what God wants you to do. For me, I couldn't find satisfaction doing anything until I did ministry. And by the way, that was the one thing I didn't want to do. Right. So I think if, I think there's guys, there's guys I know at our church, you know, they're in the business world or they teach or they, um, you know, work as professionals or they're doctors or dentists or whatever. And they, they love what they do. And to which I tell them, then do it. And if you can do that to the glory of God, then you're, you're doing it for him. And for me, I was just, I knew I wanted to be a football coach so I get recognition. Or I wanted to be in business so I could make more money. Or I wanted, I want, I'm like, I don't want to be in ministry. Nobody will know who I am. Yeah. And I was so concerned about my image and yeah. all this prideful garbage that was actually hindering me from yeah. just being who God wanted me to be. So we ran into each other at the National Religious Broadcasters and, uh, you were telling me about you're starting a radio program. This is a radio program, so our listeners can, or this is a podcast on a ministry that hosts a radio program. Our listeners, some of them can identify with that. Um, to use maybe a worldly concept, I mean, you know, you're out here a conference speaker. Um, quote, unquote, your star is rising. It kind of seems like Brave seems to be doing well. The radio program. So knowing the past about you and your desire to be recognized and great, uh, how do you go into this new, new kind of expanded ministry uh, reach, and not let that is is that dealt with and put away, or is yeah. that something you got to fight that's every a day? Great, hey, that's a great question. It's been dealt with and put away. I mean, for Good. me, for me, it's one of those things. Like I'm in a season of my life. I turned 50 last year. I want to have influence for Christ. 
I don't care if I get known or not. I mean, yeah. I, I really believe that at the depth of my heart. And I think it's been, you know, a 30-year process that the Lord has taken me on to crush that. Yeah. And like I tell people, I mean, I planted, you know, moved out to Denver with my wife and planted Brave Church 11 years ago almost. I'm glad God waited till I was 40 to do that. I think yeah. if I would have planted that church at 26, I would have thought, man, I have something to offer here. Yep. Uh, I think the final crushing blow for me was when I graduated from Dallas Seminary in 2002. I, you know, I won a preaching award there. I graduated with honors. I went to a uh, an internship. Thought I, deep down, I thought I was kind of special. Yep. And I and I am special. You're special. I mean, of we're course, special. Of, God, course, but, of course. But deep down, I thought, man, I got something to offer. And, and went to this residency and realized I got nobody following me. I can't get this thing done. I went through a broken engagement. Got crushed again. Yep. And at that point in time, I was like, okay. I mean, I, I don't I don't care, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll yep. go wherever you want me to go. I'll do it for free. Just show me what to do. And yep. So by the time of the Lord, you know, eight years later, at age forty, had me plant a church. I'm like, I know this has nothing to do with me. Right. But God, God can remove me tomorrow, and He'll find somebody else and come in and preach and do. I mean. I hold everything with an open hand now. And part of that is maturity. Part of that is being married to my wife. Part of that is seeing a lot of goofiness within the Christian world where there's Christian celebrities, if there's such a thing, where people are, um, you know, concerning themselves with image and stuff like that. That's that's just not a concern of mine. And um, I believe it's something in my life that the Lord has crushed. By the way, that guy right back there, tall, bald guy. Phil Hopper. He's, okay. he's tomorrow. All right. You need to meet him. All right, great. Uh, we did a podcast interview about a year and a half ago. He was here a couple years ago, and just another flamethrowing Bible preacher. So back to your point earlier, rare is the young man who has that sorted out, right? So, I mean, do these young ministry leaders that kind of spring up quick make you nervous? I don't know that they make me nervous. I'm so... I'm in a season of my life. I concern myself so much more with me than I do about somebody else. Yeah. So I'll hear somebody say, oh, man, that guy, he's going to fall if he doesn't. Yeah. So if I hear that, I'll pray for the guy. I mean, yeah. I, I I think there's too much chum in the water for a Christian community. Like, oh, my gosh, look at that guy falling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. get into that at all. I mean, there's podcasts now about the rise and fall of different churches. I don't listen to that. It's gossipy to me. Yeah. Um, when I hear about other people, I pray for them. And, um, but I do think it's a danger because I think, you know, if, you're, if your capacity out, out, outreaches your character, you're in big trouble. And I think too often we don't spend enough time in the church teaching guys, hey, your character is way more important than your capacity. Yeah. It's what God's going to do through you. Don't be, don't be worried about where you're going to get or what you're going to do or all these things. And for me, it's my, my whole ministry life has been slow pickings. I mean, I, I, when I was uh, a tenor evangelist, I told the Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go, do whatever you want me to do. I don't charge. I mean... Whatever people are going to pay, I'm going to take. I don't, I don't charge. That's just who I am. And uh, it was funny because I remember one time we got invited to go down to a place, and they said, we'll pay you. And I'm like, that's fine. And I drove an hour and a half away, and they, we're going to have 200 kids. You're going to preach the gospel. And I get down there, and there's five kids and five adult leaders, and nobody showed up. <laughs> and they were like, we're so sorry. You know, we're still going to pay you, but, you know, you don't have to preach. I'm like, no, I, I, I drove an hour and a half. You're right. going to sit down, you're going to hear me preach. <laughs> so I preached to 10 people. And, uh, you know, then they gave me 25 bucks, and I got in my car and gave them home. And I'm, I remember thinking, you know, I just took away five hours away from my family. I barely could pay for my gas. Yep. And um, and I'm totally happy with it. I mean, yep. that, that's what the Lord has. He'll provide. And so Amen. I, I think when you get to a place like that where Amen. you're not worried about what am I going to get from this? Yep. It's how can I can, is this something that the Lord wants me to contribute to? Totally. Is, uh, is a way better place to be. So, like I said at the beginning, I got connected to you through some random member of your church who's just passing along links of your preaching, unbeknownst to you. 
I'm not sure you even know the guy. I mean, you've maybe we've met. We've now met at church. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what would you say to people in your congregation or people anywhere uh, about just uh, you know being involved in the Lord's work passively or in ways that they think are small? I mean, this opportunity was born out of something that my buddy never thought would turn into an opportunity like this. We certainly didn't orchestrate it. Yeah. Well, I think I think if we're um, abiding in Christ, I think we're connected to Him. I think if we're telling Him, "Hey, Lord, I just want to be used by You," He's doing things in and through us. Some little things like that that we'll know about, and there's myriads of other things that we'll never know how He used us until we get to heaven. Because if yeah. we did, I think we'd all get a big head. That's right, and we'd pride up and swell up because. You know, God is always doing work. He's always bearing fruit, right? In the Christian's life, there's 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 fruit, there's more fruit, and there's much fruit, according to yep. John 15. Yep. And even the parable of the soils. I mean, there's 30, there's 60, 100-fold. I mean, if you're in good soil, God's doing something, even right. if you can't see it. The challenge we have is that in the Christian community in the West, we've based it on how many books have you written, how many conferences have you spoke at, how many Facebook followers do you have. Yep. None of that means anything. Right. None of that means anything. Amen. Some of the greatest saints we're going to find when we get to heaven are people that are the greatest prayer warriors that stayed in a prayer closet and prayed, and God did work through them. Right. And so, you know, I, I, it's kind of like, you know, I think about the parable where it says, you know, when, when you get to heaven, you're at the wedding banquet. Don't don't try to sit too close to the head because it'll be embarrassing if you get moved back. I mean, yeah. you, you, you don't, realize, humble spot, yeah, you, you don't realize how many people are doing far more significant things. And I think about, you know, for me, the persecuted church across the world where, you know, unknown anonymous oh. people are giving their lives for the Amen. gospel which is far greater than anything i'm doing here at this camp preaching yeah. the word i mean this is way easier than way. being put into a box and starved to death for three days or something like right. this. so so at the end of the day i think there's so many great saints around the world that are doing so many great things we just we sometimes value the wrong things yeah that's so good so today i want to uh, touch on this you talked about uh gods and i totally agree with this i love this uh, all of our time, all of our resources, all of our gifts, all of our everything is the Lord's. Not 10%. We don't give to ourselves first and then give the excess. Talking about money money specifically, uh, I, I remember hearing a guy say, I give my 10% to the church and then I use the rest however I want, which is not a biblical concept at all. You'd argue that the tithe isn't even in effect right now. I would totally argue that. And I would say to people, because we, we talk about this all the time, I think it's a great place to start, but if you study Israel's tithe, I mean, you're going to come up with more like 23% based upon all the feasts and festivals and everything, but there's no mandate in the New Testament. The mandate in the New Testament is generosity. Generosity is not calculated. Generosity is abundance. So at the end of the day, it's like, how much do I have to give? And this is where you get goofy conversations with people like, do you give out, do I do I tie that off my net or off my gross? Another speaker this week brought that exactly like up. He said it's the dumbest question of all time. It is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's how can I be as generous with what I have? How can I be lavish with what I have? It's like the woman that brought the, the perfume and spilt it all over Jesus, and the disciples are like, what a waste. Yeah. That's generous. Yes. And so how can we be generous with everything we have? And, you know, it's not, it's not what we have. It's how we invest what we have. And I love that God doesn't grade on the curve like that. So at the end of the day, you know, somebody may have all this money or all this time or all these resources resources and it's not that they invested more time more money more resources it's what percentage of what they were given did they invest yeah right so at the end of the day i may have little time little resources a little talent but god everything i have i'm giving to you and god says that's what i'm looking for yeah that's what i'm looking for so help in a practical sense yeah. but somebody a listener myself whoever that I, I do believe everything is the lord's i mean we're putting an addition on our house right now and we've got a 
ultimately a spiritual purpose behind that. We want to create a place for our kids to come home to with their yep. with our grandkids because we want our grandkids to be around their grandparents who love the Lord, believe the word, and are going to tell them things they're not going to hear anywhere else. Um, I, I, If you really push me, I would say everything we have is the Lord's. And so directly or indirectly, every dollar, every minute, ideally, we're not perfect, right? We sin. But the standard is that everything has a spiritual purpose. How do you, how do you, do you agree with that? First of all, I, first of all, I agree with your premise. Second of all, I'm going to say that, you know, you, you get people to take that extreme and then say, well, if you're really a Christian, then you can't drive this kind of car. You right. can't live in this kind of house. You can't wear those kind of clothes. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that completely. I think yeah. God loves us and wants us to live uh, in the enjoyment. Sometimes God gives us and blesses us with certain things that we enjoy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the question is, I always tell people in our church, it's not how much money you have. It's how much does money have you? Yeah. You know, so yeah. at the end of the day, it's not what I think about what you have. Yeah. It's what do you, you and the, what do I think about what I have? How yeah. am I doing with me? Yeah. And how generous am I being? Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's how can I be lavish with the things of God? That becomes yeah. the question. Yeah. So in, in a sense, everything is the Lord's. All my money is the Lord's. But I have to eat lunch. I have to pay a mortgage. I have to pay for utilities. Well, I think if the Lord wants me to eat. Yeah. I think the Lord wants yeah. me to feed my kids. I think yeah. the Lord would like me to have a shelter over my kid's head. I think the, I, I, in order for me to get to work, I live 30 miles from where I work. I need a car to get there. So yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to that at yeah. all. And so yeah. I, that's where I think you know consumerism is I'm going after things and God gets my leftovers. I think Christianity is God gets my full heart and he gets to tell me, hey, this is where I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. And it's going to look different for each one of us. Yes. And that's totally fine. That's good stuff. All right, the condition of Western evangelicalism. How would you grade it right now? Low, low. It's uh, what's disappointing to me the most is to see how few men will stand up in the pulpit and actually preach the word without apologizing for it. I think there is uh, too much of an apology for the word of God, and I think if the if the reason that we're in trouble in the way that we are in our culture, and where we see trouble in the West in all cultures is because there haven't been enough faithful men standing in the pulpit teaching people this is what God says, will you do what God says, and calling people to a higher standard of holiness. I think that's the number one challenge in evangelicalism. So evangelicalism doesn't even mean anymore, I believe, the whole Bible. Evangelicalism right. doesn't even mean... So, you know, when I, I, I don't even want word you... I mean, I, I want to redeem the word evangelical, but I, I mean... Bible believing. I believe when I say Bible believing or evangelical, I think I believe in the inerrant word of God that all of it is authoritative from Genesis 1 1 through Revelation 22 21. It's all true. And if you believe that, we may disagree on a couple of finer points of theology because nobody, none of us on this side of heaven are going to get it all right. Yeah. But I can tell you, on the major doctrines, 80 85% of what we're talking about, we can all agree that this is what God wants us to do. Yeah. But there's just too many places that won't herald the word. They may read it. But they won't talk about it. They may skip sections. They may not call people to a standard of holiness for fear that they won't get the crowd back next week. Yeah. And um, when you live like that, God is no longer the authority. When you allegorize the text, God is no longer the authority. The pastor is the authority. And what you're really doing that frustrates me and angers me to my core is you're telling God during a worship session, hey, God, you go ahead and shut up. Go stand in the corner. I got something I want to tell these people. Wow. And I, 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 just, I think that's the picture that yeah. we're having in a lot of places in the West, which is no wonder why people can't respond to God because they're not being able to hear him. Yeah, that's good. So in your congregation, they get a steady drip of this Sunday after Sunday, bold, inerrant Bible teaching and preaching. Can you look at any measurables or do you hear any stories that are like, 
encouraging or that kind of proof, the proof is in the pudding for you that solid biblical preaching does change lives. It is the answer. And this other stuff just, it pales in comparison to it. Yeah, because I think there's a temptation to always try to come up with some method to get people in the church, and there'll always be a new method, yeah. and there'll always be a new thing. So when when we planted the church, and you know, our church goes from like 208 to 190 to 150, and yeah. it's 113, it's like, ooh, what do we got to do to get more people here? <laughs> and I remember I called one of my mentors, I'm like, what do I do? He goes, can you keep preaching the word? And if you keep preaching the word, it's not how big the congregation is, but what you preach de- determines the congregation you're going to have. Yes. And so we've been faithful to the word since we started. And now that we've done that, not only have, has God been gracious to us in growing the congregation, but I know I can open our Bible. I told our congregation this last week. I know I'm so pleased to be at church. I can open my Bible up to any passage in the Bible and proclaim God's word without authority, without being a PR spokesman for yeah. God or apologizing. Yeah. And our congregation will say, that's why we're here because you do that. Amen. That's why my buddy's there. I mean, and I, you know, you hear it all the time. Jeff Schwartz and Traub, I put a, I put a, a T in your name that's in the okay. brochure. That's, I think that's how we say it. We'll get that straight next that's time. Okay. It doesn't matter. Thanks so much for accepting our invitation. I hope you'll come back sometime. Matt, it was a privilege. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, brother. Yep. Okay, bye. The CC Podcast is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are 100% tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number 2, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links. And remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.